Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. celebrations. Good to see you this morning. It was great to see these graduates up here, and it was great to see Emma, one of our graduates up there. You did such a good job, such a good job. Um, hey, listen, um, around here, we, uh, we just believe that it is the call of the church to reach our valley with the message of Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we feel uniquely called to do as a church, to reach this valley with the message of Jesus and to meet needs around this valley and around the world. And I just love being a part of that. And, and a specific piece of, of reaching the valley and, and reaching the world around us looks like being the kind of church that raises up leaders. And uh, it, it's absolutely important that the church doesn't just rest on the idea that uh, there are people... Who, uh, who lead the church, and, and they're great, what, but, but, but we're not going to build up leaders to, to, to follow. And, and so today is going to be a unique and special, today, special day. Today is what we're calling Communicators Sunday, and we have uh, had two speakers each service that are young leaders within this church that we've been investing in and raising up, and we wanted to bring their voices to you so you could hear what God is doing in and through uh, the, the next generation of leaders right here at Celebration. And so, you've got a treat in store for you today. Today, uh, our first speaker, I'm going to introduce both of them, and then they're just going to get up here. So the first person that's going to be speaking is a young man who just graduated. He, he is over our media. So all of our announcements, all of our uh, uh, video, visual stuff, he, he does all kinds of media stuff here at Celebration Church. His name is Ricardo Van Cleef, and he's got a word from God for you. Graduated yesterday, and uh, the second young man that's going to come speak for us, he uh, was saved in this church in 2011, and when my wife and I first uh, started pastoring this church, he was, he was one of the first people to come have a conversation with us, and the conversation went like this, uh, I love that you guys are the new pastors of the church, but I feel called to go to Australia and go to Bible school, and th this, this just sunk in my heart because I could see so much goodness and potential in this young man, and after going off to school for, for quite a few years, uh, he did what is absolutely uncommon for young people that go to Bible school. He returned to his home church and has rolled up his sleeves and gotten involved. Uh, his name is Derek Corum. He's single. And, uh, and he, uh, he's, he's a great man. He, he, he oversees our first impressions. Uh, so he, he oversees all the first impressions as well as some pastoral type roles in the church. Uh, does a great job. We love him. And so without any further ado, Ricardo, let's go.
Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? That was pretty good. I, I get to help out with the youth as well, so I don't think that was that good. How is everyone doing this almost afternoon? That's better. That's what I like to hear. That's what I love to hear. So uh, for those who don't know who I am, I'm Ricardo, and you might be wondering, well, he looks familiar. Uh, it's because I'm on that screen sometimes going, good morning, Celebration Church. My name is Ricardo, and welcome to Celebration News. Um, today, I'm not doing that. Today, I get to talk to all of you guys, and I'm so excited. I get the great privilege and honor that Pastor Roger and Pastor Kim have given me, and this is really exciting. Um, to start it right off, do you know what I really dislike? Car problems. Car problems are the worst thing possible. I really cannot stand car problems. A week and a half ago, I'll, I'll give you the story for some context, but a week and a half ago, I was, uh, because I'm such a careful driver as an 18-year-old, um, I was taking my friend home, and, you know, you're on a dirt road, and you uh, spin around and go a little fast. Um, anyways, so I took my friend home, you know, after he went inside and uh, changed his pants. I went back out to my car, and I noticed this awful smell coming from my car. And I'm like, that doesn't smell like rubber. That's not good. Long story short, there's like smoke coming out of my hood. And so the next day, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what to do. I, I'm getting food, and I'm driving away to, to work. And my car keeps stalling out every time I come to a complete stop. So not that I was counting, but like 12 times my car kept stopping on the way here on great traffic on a Friday afternoon. And so I, I, I start freaking out for like the next hour. My, I'm like calling people. I'm calling my dad. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm calling my mom so I can try and get another vehicle. Uh, my dad's out of town, so, you know, that really helped me out. Um, I'm also trying to figure out how to make it to the mechanic. I don't think I can do that. Um, I'm trying to call my friend so he can like, pick me up for the mechanic because I'm preparing to not have my car forever. So like two and a half weeks. And so I, <laughs> I'm just preparing and freaking out. And it's the worst feeling ever. Just standing there and like seeing yourself freak out. And I'm like trying to clean everything from my car. But just for a moment during the longest moment of my life, just for a moment, I heard this little voice, and it was like, hey, calm down. Trust in God. He's got this. And so me being me, clearly being up here, I uh, went back to cleaning up my car for, to prepare to not have my car for the next three months. And, uh, you know, not the greatest move. But I take my car to the mechanic, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do coolants everywhere, blah, 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 and I get my car back in an hour. So I freaked out for like two hours, and I get my car back in an hour. That seems like a big waste of time, if you ask me. And so I, I was asked the question, what does faith look like? And clearly, I went up to the mountains for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted, and came back down with a huge answer for all of you guys. And for me, faith looks like trust. Great. Super simple. I'm going to make it real easy on you guys. Faith looks like trust. And what does, what, what does trust look like? Well, for me, clearly trust looks like cleaning out my car when I'm not to. You don't need to be doing that. Uh, 
One thing I noticed is that you trust those that you know. The people I trust most are the ones I'm spending the most time with, the ones that I'm getting to know, the ones I'm always hanging out with, the ones that I just know who they are as a being. But I can tell you right now, I wasn't trusting in God because I wasn't spending time with him. So I'm going to read this quick little story. Uh, We're going to turn to Matthew 8, verse 5 through 13. I brought a paper Bible, unlike the other speakers. I just want that on record. (laughs) Woo! All right. Anyways, I'll I'll read this out for you guys. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have the authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him, and he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you have believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. As I read this story, it's a story that I often gloss over when I read the New Testament. It's something I just kind of pass over. It's like, yeah, yeah, this guy had really good faith. But this story stuck out to me this last time I was reading through it because I want that type of faith. But when I'm not here on a Sunday, there's times where I'm going through stuff and I don't have that type of faith. I'll be the first to admit it. There's, There's tons of people. I assume that's an issue that we can all relate to and struggle with that we don't always have as much faith as we want. We don't trust in God like we say we want to on a Sunday. And on Monday, we're going through stuff, and we're not trusting in him. So today, I just really want to encourage you guys to trust God. Don't just do it on a Sunday when it's convenient. Don't just do it on Wednesday when you're at youth group. Don't do it when you're in a, when you're in a group over the summer. Do it in your work, in your homes, with your families. Now, you might be looking up at me and you're like, well, you're like, what? We all heard that I graduated yesterday. And you're standing there going, well, Ricardo, you don't have enough life experience to be telling me to trust in God. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the issues going on with my family. You don't know what's going on with my spouse. You don't know what's happening to my kids. You don't know what's happening in my workplace. And I'll be honest, I don't know. But I can tell you, We serve a God who does know, who knows exactly what you're going through. And through that, when you lean in him, he's going to provide. He's going to take care of it, but he's asking you to trust in him. Not when it's easy, but when it's hard and inconvenient and sometimes really frustrating to do so, he's asking you to trust in him. 
I don't have super complex ideas to throw at you. I made it real simple just for everyone today. I didn't have anything like super overly complicated. I didn't bring out graphs in my notes or anything for you to show you guys. Um, I just uh, came up with a few jokes and I hoped God would use me. But this, <laughs> thank you. The simple answer is trust. And how do we do that? How do we trust in God? It, it sounds so easy to trust in God, you know. And I'll be honest, it is, but it takes time. It looks like a lot of basic things. Because I can tell you when, my, when I was freaking out a week and a half ago about my car, I wasn't in the word. I wasn't praying. I wasn't spending time with, well, I mean, I spend quite a bit of time with believers, so. Um, but I wasn't out engaging. I wasn't praying. And because of it, I didn't trust God in that moment. Even when he told me to trust in him. And so, trusting in him looks like doing the basics. It looks like praying. Because are you praying when you, are, is it as simple as, are you praying over your meals? Are you praying over your family? Are you going into your workplace praying that God has a plan for your family and where you're headed? Does it look like you praying over your kids every night when they go to bed? Does it look like you praying over your future spouse? Amen. I'm kidding. Uh, does it look like reading your Bible every night? Does it look like teaching your kids what the Bible has taught you? It sounds so easy, but why don't we do it? It sounds absolutely so easy and simple. But it's because we make these excuses. I don't have enough time, Ricardo. I don't have, I, I work so much. And then maybe you're working a little too much. I, I, I can't, I gotta watch season four of Stranger Things. Um, I'm sorry, but you can put that on hold. I haven't even started it. Um, maybe you're going there and you're going, but you don't know all of my situations. And like I said, I don't know. But you got to make the time. There is time throughout the day, and you got to make it. It's not something that's going to be given to you. There's not going to be a 25th hour of the day. you got to take some time, and you got to stand your ground, and you got to dig into the Word. Because when you know God, you're going to be able to trust Him when it's hard. Not just when it's easy, but when it's hard. No matter what's going on, your life may be spiraling out of control. But you got to stand firm in what God has taught you. you got to dive deep. And it sounds so basic and it sounds so easy, but it's true. I, I, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. I'm not going to give you 12 steps to have a better faith life. Uh, that, Pastor Roger is going to do that next week, actually. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> But you got to stand firm, and you got to dive deep. So I just want to encourage you, if, you're, if you are struggling with trusting in God, I don't want to shame you. I don't want to be like, hey, you're not doing a good job. I just want to encourage you, start making that next step. Tomorrow, do, heck, don't wait. I said heck. Don't wait until tomorrow. Today, when you're going out to lunch to Blaze Pizza, because Blaze Pizza is amazing. Yeah. I want you guys to take that next step. Pray over your food with your family or your friends, whoever it is. Take that next step. 
It's that, it's that easy. Uh, before I hand it off to Derek, who definitely has a fantastic word for all of us, I just want to pray over you guys. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Dear Jesus, I pray for all of us in this room, God, that those who struggle to trust in you, God, those who have stepped away from you, God, I pray that in this next few hours, in this next week, in this next season, God, that they just align their hearts towards you and they have a new hunger for you, God, that they just start to chase after you. And you're not a hard God to reach. You're going to meet them right there. But I pray that they just take that next step. I pray that they just move forward in their walk with you and that they are able to know you so well that they can have faith like that Roman officer, that they don't need you to show some magic sign, but they know that you will take care of it, and because they have believed, you will take care of it. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Come on up, Derek. Let's give it up for Ricardo, my gosh. What a word, let's go, let's go. Delivering a word like that, Ricardo, it's not easy. It might, it seems easy from when you're in your seat until you're up here and you're like, wait a second. I've known Ricardo since he's eight years old and that's, it's really cool to see, to see the growth. Ricardo, God has a great plan for your life, man. Seriously, he's anointed you and you believe that, okay? God has anointed you for great things. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's go. Well, good, good afternoon now. Gosh, not morning anymore, I don't think. Um, my name is Derek. If I haven't met you yet, now is your opportunity. Hello. Um, and g- genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm proper expectant for the word that God has put on my heart to share with you today. I'm expectant that today, that your trust and your faith in God would be stirred. That it would be challenged, your faith would be strengthened. Amen? If you believe it. If you're ready, let's go. Okay, so we're going to jump into the Bible today. I'm going to talk about two, two main, um, main characters in this story. The first we're going to look at is Saul from Tarsus. Saul from Tarsus. Uh, more commonly known later on in Scripture by his, by his more Romanized Greek name of Paul. But we're going to look at Saul from Tarsus. So Saul is not a good dude to those who follow Jesus. Saul's he is on a mission. Saul is on a mission to persecute, to arrest, to kill, to imprison those who follow Jesus. Those who have put their allegiance in Christ. If you follow what they call is the way early on in scripture, if you are a Christian, Saul is coming for you. He's coming. That was his mission. And we see Saul leaving Jerusalem on his way to Damascus. And he, he's on his way with his followers riding his horse or donkey, or, you know, he's on his way, and he gets, he meets the risen Jesus, appears to him in a vision, knocks him off his horse, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul is left blinded on the side of the road. His, his followers bring him into Damascus, and he's there blind, refusing to eat, fasting for three days, because he knows that he's just had a radical encounter with Jesus. Something has changed. The, peop- the people that he's been persecuting, wait, maybe they were actually on to something. Maybe this Jesus that they're claiming allegiance to is the real deal. 
And we're going to pick up our story, Acts 9, 10 through 19. I feel super shamed for not having a Bible up here now, but it's totally okay. Like, I got my notes. You know, it's so fine. Thanks, Ricardo, for that. Um, you know, next time, next time, it's okay. But we're going to look at a man that might often be overlooked. We're going to look at a man named Ananias. Ananias of Damascus. If you want to say Ananias with me, it's a fun, it's a fun name. One who is a devout disciple, highly respected. So Acts 9, 10 through 19 says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a, vo- in a vision. Ananias. That's what I think. Maybe like Aslan or something, but it's probably not. Uh, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Today, throughout all of our services, we've been looking at the question, what does faith look like? What does faith look like? And for me, often, faith can look like a dilemma. Faith can look like a dilemma. Now, who here has faced a dilemma before? I know I have, and if we're honest, most of us probably have faced a dilemma. And I'm not talking about like a... You know, where are you going to eat after church or whether or not you want to hang out with Nancy again or if you're going to have Coke or Pepsi, because we all know Dr. Pepper with a little bit of lime. Ayo, that's what's up. But I'm talking about a proper dilemma, something that would impact your life, something that it could have a negative impact, maybe a neutral impact or a positive impact, and you're facing, facing a faith dilemma. I feel like recently I've just faced the dilemma and just came out of one. As, as is mentioned before, I was living in Australia and Sydney for the last six years, and I built wonderful community and great friends and a great safe environment where I feel like I could grow with my faith and be really close with God. But then I felt God called me into something different. Derek, now is the time to go. Now is the time to uproot your life once again and move on. And I know it was really hard living in Australia, you know, at the beach, chilling every day, hanging out, you know. I, I think I was suffering for the gospel genuinely, but it's okay. But no, but seriously, I feel like I faced a faith dilemma. Now, maybe, maybe you're like this side of the room and you've just graduated. And you just graduated high school and you're actually deciding on what to do next. Go to college, join the military, um, jump into the workforce, take a gap year. There's so many options. That could be your dilemma today. Maybe you have one or more career opportunity or a business opportunity or business decision to make. That could be your dilemma. Lord, what do I do? Maybe... You're new here at church and you just kind of get involved and you're deciding, 
What team do I serve on? First impressions, we're ready for signups. Shameless plug. If you want to jump in with us, you can. Or maybe, maybe you've been recently retired and you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands. Where do I sow my time? That could be my dilemma. Or maybe more, you're like Ananias. And, I, and his dilemma that directly impacts your faith and your safety. As I said, I believe Ananias has a dilemma to face. He's going into the house of Judas where Saul is at, the enemy, the one who's persecuting him, the one that he's heard, Lord, you, I know this man. I've heard the reports in Jerusalem. I know what he's done to these, the people that follow you. You want, you want me to go there? You want me to go to Saul? That's, that's a sentence on my life. Ananias' dilemma. Is he going to place his faith, faith and trust in what God has called him to do? Or is he going to walk away? Maybe, Lord, you'll, you'll send somebody else. You'll send somebody else. That, I actually, that wasn't me. That wasn't for me. And I think the tension that Ananias faces, we, if we're honest, also can face sometimes. Maybe not to the extreme of, of suffering for our faith in the same way. We're very privileged to live in America. But the question of, did God really call me? Did God really call me? And more to the core of the narrative, did God really call me to share my faith with my enemy? Man, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Did God really call me to share my faith with my enemy, someone who's persecuting you? And the short answer is, yes, of course he did. Of course God has called you. And that's my time. Thank you so much. No, like, but seriously, of course, of course God has called us to do that. But what I want us to walk away with today is this, is what actually happens when we do place our faith and our trust in God. I want to look at just two quick principles from the story of Ananias and his faith. And I think it's going to help us learn maybe a little bit about God's character today. Just, just, a, just a little glimpse. The first principle is this. Is that God provides even when we doubt. Amen? God provides even when we doubt. Ananias had his doubts. Verse 13, it expresses that. His doubts are grounded in reality. He's aware that he's heard reports about this man named Saul. He has his doubts. But I love a good but the Lord, right? But God comes in. But God reassures Ananias that Saul is his chosen instrument. Ananias' faith is expressed even in his doubt. Often, I know myself, I can think of the opposite of faith is doubt. That's what I think of at times. And I don't think that's the case. In the words of the great theologian rapper Andy Minio, he says, the opposite of faith ain't doubt is when you got it all figured out. Right? But I, I think there's actually a little bit of truth to that. It's that when we actually say, we look at God, no, 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 I, I actually got this figured out. I actually don't need you. I actually don't need to go to you, God. I don't need to go to you with my questions. I don't need to go with you to my, with my insecurities. I got this all figured out on my own. I think that's a bigger hindrance to our faith than asking some questions. And I want to encourage someone here today that even when you doubt your ability, your position in life, your words, your confidence, or even God's ability to use you, know that God has empowered you with the Spirit. That there is, even in our moments of doubt, God is with us. He is not far off. We do not serve a far off, distant God just up there looking down on his creation. We serve a God who is close. We serve a God who wants to be close to his creation. That God is not afraid of our doubts. That when he has called you, he does not abandon you. God provides even when we doubt. 
The second principle is this. Sharing our faith is for the benefit and the service of others. The sharing our faith is for the benefit and service of others. Now, faith, sharing faith involves two people. Someone's like, duh. But seriously, faith involves two people, right? How am I going to share my faith if there's not another person in front of me? And this, this works very well for words of encouragement as well, I, I've noticed, of course. There's two people. One that needs to hear a word from the Lord and one that has a word from the Lord. Amen? That's ready to share it. To ready to activate their faith and encourage somebody else. Later on in the story, Saul, you know, the one who's blinded, destitute, having this just just moment of this, his whole world, his whole, his whole idea of Judaism has just been like shaped upside down. He's like, what is going on with this risen Jesus? Who is this guy who's the Messiah? He goes on and starts writing all these letters and building churches under his name, Paul. And he writes this letter to the Galatians. The church in Galatia, he writes a letter, Galatians 5, 6, says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. That's what I want us to catch today. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Now, I may be reading into the text just a little bit, but logically, just, just go with me. Just go with me there. Just put yourself in Saul's shoes for a moment. Maybe, just maybe, when Saul's writing this letter to the Galatians, he's encouraging them, faith expressing itself through love. Maybe that he is reminding himself of Ananias' first words. Saul, maybe down on his knees, more like this, just praying, God, where is, this, where is this messenger that you've called? You've called, you've told me that there is a man named Ananias coming to restore my sight. Where is he at, Lord? I, I need this man in my life. Where is he at? And I like to think Ananias coming into the house, like full of faith, like kicking down a door or something like that. Probably not. But, you know, getting into there and being like, I have been sent from the Lord. I'm fired up, ready to go. And I'm, where is this man, Saul? Where is this man? I have a word from the Lord for Saul. Where is he at? Saul there just praying. And I, I, I just, I see Ananias coming up, finding Saul down, getting really low with him, getting close, maybe putting his hand on his back and saying, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the man who was persecuting us, the man who wanted evil for us, you're now family. The Lord has called you. Brother Saul, you're no longer my enemy. Brother Saul. Ananias teaches us this, that even a reluctant gospel messenger himself, even someone who's reluctant to share, must not only love their enemies, but trust in the power that the gospel has, such redemptive power that a praying converted persecutor, a praying, a praying converted persecutor is a persecutor no more. It does not matter what Saul did anymore, that he had an encounter with Jesus and he is a persecutor no more. The power of the gospel is true, it's deep, it's lasting, it's transformative. Now what's next? We can look at these two few principles of God provides even when we doubt, that sharing our faith is for the benefit and service of others, but what's next? If we don't take anything into our Mondays, what's next? 
I remember when I was in Bible college and we had one of our professors and we just, he was the best. He was the best. Brilliant communicator, just spoke the word of God with such authority and you, you just, you just like, man, I want to be like this guy. I want to be like this guy. What is his secret? What is his secret sauce? And I remember somebody asked him in class one day, hey, Robert, what, what's your secret? And you know, I know you've been doing this for a while and reps are obviously very important, but what's your secret? And this is, this is Robert's response. And I'll never forget. He says this. You want to know the secret? Pray. Read your Bible. Follow what it says. Get around people who do the same. And the student goes, no, 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 no. We get that. We're in Bible college. That's cool. That's cute. We, we do that. Like, we get it. But, but what's your secret? Pray. Read your Bible. Do what it says. Get around people that do the same. Amen? Practically, if you want to grow in your faith, a simple step, join a group. That's not a shameless plug. I genuinely believe it could be the best thing for your summer. Not just because you're building community, but because you're around other believers that are like, man, I see wonderful things that God's put in your life. He's called you for bigger plans. He's called you to be a better husband, a better wife, more faithful to your kids. That right there will grow your faith. Now, if you don't want to grow in your faith, sometimes we can look at the opposites. If we don't want to grow in our faith, don't, don't be around other people. Maybe, you know, show up late to church, leave early, just, just sneak in, sneak out. Don't pray, don't read your Bible, don't be around those who call you to greater things. But I want the best for your life, and I believe God does as well. I just recently came back from the return, and don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but I just recently came back, and being up there with other men, being able to share my faith, share my experiences, having them sharpen me, that right there grew my faith tremendously. Now, the question I want to leave us with as we go into our Monday is this. I'm going to have two questions because, if we're honest, we leave Sunday service and you'd be like, what did, what did he talk about today? That was nice. But genuinely, just take these two questions, ask yourself this week. Spend some time with God and ask yourself these two questions. The first one is this. What area or areas in my faith am I doubting God in? Am I not trusting in God in? This could be finance, fractured relationships, health challenges, Maybe, maybe a, a child that's far from the Lord. What areas am I not trusting in God with? Because I know that God is faithful even when we doubt. And the second question is this. Who in my world would benefit from me sharing my faith with them? Even and especially if they're my enemy. Those who have persecuted me. Those who make fun of me. Those who tease me. Who do I need to share my faith with? Because I believe that we do not have to tackle this faith dilemma alone. Amen? If everyone would stand with me, I want to pray for two groups of people as we stand. And the worship team, you can, you can join me. It would be great. The first group, much like Ananias in the story, is this, the devoted disciple. You know, I've been coming and, you know, I'm working on this. And it's definitely a work in progress. I know I am. But I'm giving it a go. I'm trying. Lord, I'm trusting you. But that first group, the devoted disciple, I want to pray that your faith would be expressed through love to others. That there would be a boldness that you would share in your faith. That any doubts would fall away from God's calling into your life. I believe that there may be some people that are spiritually blind in your life 
And God is calling you specifically, not me, not, not your neighbor, not your friend's friend, but you're the one that's in their life. He's calling you specifically to be the one like Ananias. Hey, I'm here at the word from the Lord for you. Hey, I'm knocking. Hey, I, I think you need to regain your spiritual sight here. You need to be filled with the spirit. I'm the one that the Lord has sent for me to pray for you. That could be you today. I'm not saying you have to go to their actual house and knock, but you get what I mean. If that's you today, I'd love for you just to lift your hands to heaven. We're gonna pray for a boldness in your faith. God, you see every hand that is raised. Lord, I pray that you would fill them right now with your spirit. Lord, that there would be a boldness to share their faith, God. Lord, that you would give them eyes to see the people that are hurting in their lives. Eyes to see the people that need a word from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them afresh today, God. Fill them afresh with your spirit. Remind them that they are not alone. They're not abandoned. That you're close. You're not far off. Amen. The second group is this. Much like Saul, maybe you're far away from God. Much like Ananias calling Saul brother, I think there could be some people in here today that the Lord is calling you home. Son, daughter, it's I, the Lord Jesus. Come back to me. I'm here. I've never left you. If that's you and you feel this tug, something here, Lord, something's going on. What is this? I haven't felt this before. If that's you, I want to pray with you. We're going to do something very simple today. Pastor Roger expresses this almost every week. What we're going to do is we're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repentance is not this scary potential religious term at times. Repent simply means to turn. Going one way? No, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going this way. We're going to repent and believe. To turn away from the things that we think, do, and say that do not please God. Then we're going to believe that Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the grave. Amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed, and just for privacy's sake, and raising your hand doesn't make you a Christian or anything like that. It's what I just said. Believe in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that that you, if you just slip your hand up, I just want to know who I'm praying for. It's just very practical. Thank you. I see the hand. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray together and just pray something like this in your own words. God, I'm sorry for the way I lived my life. I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm turning away from the things I know that do not please you. I want to live my life for Jesus every day. And for the rest of my days, follow him. Jesus, we love you. We know you're close. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate church for those people who just made the decision. We know heaven heaven is celebrating as well. Worship team, let's lead us into worship. Let's go. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.